Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Fat Muscle Project podcast. I'm John Gorman, your host. We've got Mr. Large and in charge, Jace Lopez in the house. Jace, what's going on, man? How are you? Doing great, John. I'm, I'm excited, man. I'm pumped. Yeah, we've we've uh, we've talked about being on a podcast for a while now, and here we are. I believe this is episode nine. We're nine in, and we've got a really fun Q and A lined up for the day. But before we get to that, before we get to you, I do want to do some real quick housekeeping. Um, for anyone who's still interested, we still have like two tickets left for the Fat Muscle Academy. It's in Springfield, Missouri. Check your show notes wherever you're listening to your podcast. Just click on that. I've got a direct link that will take you to all the information. We either got two super VIP tickets or two general admission. It doesn't matter. Two ticket spots, male or female. And if you do want that super VIP, you get a backpack that's also a cooler bag. You get a, um, supplements in there. You get a notebook for the academy, the the seminar series, and you get to train with one of the fat muscle coaches. You might even train with Jace because we're yes. getting all that lined up. So with that being said, check out your show notes. We do still have tickets available. It's going to be a blast. This time of year, you know, what we do, Jace, I think sometimes can get lonely because when you're really super into physique enhancement and you know that this is a coach, it's just nice to be around other like-minded people, whether you're a coach or you're just somebody trying to get into shape. I mean, this, you go to, you go to seminars and conferences all the time, right? That's right. Yeah. I, I try to make one every quarter because uh, the information you get out of it is, um, is, is very app applicable, you know, because if we're just learning things and not applying it, we're just wasting our time. Right. So uh, be able to learn from other coaches uh, who've, who've been in the trenches, who have uh, application is, is key, but also the motivation you get, like you decide to coach again, you know, you might have a case that you've been struggling with that, uh, you know, you might get one cue to help them and you decide to go back to the room and, and email them, you know, so uh, they're definitely very valuable. And, uh, you know, I said one a quarter, you know, put in your budget of coaching and it's just definitely be worth it and make, create more value for you as a coach. 100%. And, and if you're not a coach that's striving to keep learning new things and try new things and meet other people, you're slowly going to fall farther behind those people that are out there striving to always question everything and learn something new. I mean, hell, before this podcast even started, Jace, you and I are sitting here talking and you gave me some good advice on on a blood pressure medication. Even though I'm sitting pretty well here, you had more knowledge on it than I do, obviously. And, and now I'm going to look into that afterwards. That could be a huge help for me. And if not for me, to some of my clients. So imagine that at scale at one of these conferences. And that's why we do the event that we do. So definitely looking forward to it. Now, before we start this off, I do like to talk about anything cool that's happened to you over the last two weeks or anything new that you've learned. But before that, for people who don't know who you are, they're quickly going to find out you've been on multiple podcasts. You're really making a name for yourself. Clients kick ass. I want to talk about how I met you, and then I want you to kind of just get a, a real quick broad overview of who you are and what you do. Um, I first met you in person at our Fat Muscle. No, it was at Elite Physique University, Jason Theobald and I put on in Springfield, Missouri. And I met you and some of your friends, and you had already been recommending Hormone Optimizer and some of our supplements just because you believed in it, and you never approached me about being sponsored. You just believed in the supplements and, and you were good to us. And we took note of that over time. And this is, if you're wanting to be a sponsored coach out there, this is probably something for you guys to listen in on real quick. You were already doing everything that we wanted our sponsor coaches to do. So we reached out. I had watched you with your clients. I had watched the content you put out. It was all spot on. And we really have built a team of, I would call them elite coaches in all these different areas. And you were one of the, you were in that first five type people that we brought on. And we've really built this company around guys like you. So 
that's that's how I got to know you. Um, we're really blessed to have you on the team. You were the very first top fat muscle coach. You won that award last year. We're about to have that awards dinner here in about another 10 days. So let me tell you, you're right up there in the mix, but it is tough, man. You've got people on your heels from last time. So it's going to be real interesting. This shook out and it was real close, but we'll see. We'll see if you repeat. But that's that's how I know you, man. Tell tell everybody a little bit more about you and what you do and you train people in the whole nine yards. Yeah. So uh, I'll, I'll try to give you the, the short version. But uh, my name is Jace Lopez. I'm 32 years old. Uh, I'm from uh, Lafayette, Louisiana. I live here in Youngsville, Louisiana. Um, I started coaching back in 2015. I got my um, my purse training certification. Back then, online coaching wasn't a big thing. Uh, you know that, John? I think you were one of the first pioneers in online, online coaching, which is awesome. Uh, so you really had to uh, start in, in the gym, which I believe is the best way for most aspiring online coaches. You know, because I always thought if you can't train somebody in person, get results, you probably can't get results online either. You know, so having that real world um, uh, knowledge application and wisdom really does go far uh we're communicating online uh but i got i got that certification um started working at a local gym and uh but within a year was very successful had a full roster uh opened up uh, me and my wife opened up my own gym uh per strain studio uh that next year we uh, hired on some coaches and then uh, we actually moved into a bigger gym back in 2019 which is a uh, uh, third 2000 square feet we were running about 8000 uh we ha- i now have uh, eight eight um coaches under me as inside the gym and i have three online coaches so uh i'm pretty busy just constantly uh, you know mentoring them and uh, getting them next level and make sure everybody's nurtured and everybody's a good spot but also i do uh, lifestyle and, uh, and and competitive coaching also um i have about 80 clients on my roster as my cap <laughs> i'm trying to i try to push up so many so I'm like, oh no, I need to stop here, you know. So, uh, but what's a ble- what's a blessing about having coaches under you is that over time you could, uh, you know, give the same service, same passion, but of course, hand them off to your other coaches to uh, to get results there. So you can actually uh, give give more to your, your current clientele, you know. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'm in uh, I'm in uh, Lafayette, Louisiana, been living here for ten years now. I lived in uh, uh, Springfield, Missouri, where John's at. I, I, I played college football at uh, Missouri State. I've lived in uh, Los Angeles, uh, uh, in Santa Monica. Uh, I've been around the U.S. and I uh, learned from a ton of people and uh, had a great, had a lot of great mentors, which I continue to, like John said, continue to go to seminars and uh, continue to educate. Because, you know, John mentioned something. He said, your clients can ask questions. And if you can't answer them confidently, they're going to lose confidence confidence in you. You know, an educated client is a successful client, you know, and I think the future of coaching is more educating clients coming in rather than t- just directing them, you know, because they can direct and learn and get results. But what's going to keep them getting results long term is their, their knowledge they, they accrue from their own experience of your coaching methods, you know? So, uh, but yeah, nowadays, uh, like I said, I'm just doing online coaching. Uh, I'm actually building and building a gym right now. So I'm hitting really? two gyms. <laughs> yes. So uh, we, uh, we start breaking ground in the next uh, two weeks here, but my garage and my house is full of gym equipment. It's crazy. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm actually paying two gym, um, uh, two gym, uh, oh, you know, uh, mortgages right now, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm, 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 uh, I'm really, um, really enjoying the process and I'm looking forward to having my, my own gym or membership training and of course building a culture from there so uh, i'm really excited yeah and and one other thing too if, if people start to follow you they'll notice you're also a competitive bodybuilder so you've definitely built one hell of a physique i always make jokes and i'll probably make it whenever i bring you up you're going to be on the q a panel at the seminar because we've got four people presenting and then i've got a very specific q a panel that's not going to include the speakers and you're one of the main people that are going to be up there but you'll see i always make the joke when i stand next to you i'm like fuck man like let's hurry up and talk and get this picture over with because you just make me feel so inadequate because you're probably pushing 
you're probably getting close to 300 pounds that you push up there in the off season, but you, you trim down a little bit. Where, where are you at now? Where are you sitting at now? So, uh, so I, I, we do long growth phases. I mean, if you're a client of mine, and of course my coach, you know, uh, a growth phase is not going to be less than six months, you know, cause it takes yeah. a long time to uh, be in a position to build muscle, but also keep the muscle long enough to maintain it in a, in a fat loss phase. You know, I mean, yeah. the problem we see is, uh, you know, competitors, they put muscle on and, and then by the time it comes to uh, do a fat loss phase, they, they lose immediately because never held on to it long enough there, you know, but, um, uh, I've actually, uh, I, I finished off a growth phase in October. I've been uh, in a fat loss phase uh, since uh, past about four months now. I went from a uh, 295, now I'm 263 here. So I actually dropped 30 pounds, uh, about 32 pounds in, in those uh, 16 weeks here. But what's really cool is after you do this enough for enough time, so I've been bodybuilding for about eight years now, uh, I don't do any cardio. I just get 10,000 steps a day. I'm eating 550 carbs on train days, and I'm still about losing about a pound to two pounds a week here, you know, so it's yeah. really fun. And uh, it just shows that the longer you stick with this and the longer uh, you stay compliant, the, the easier results get and the better the results come. You know, and that that's going to lead up to one of our questions. We've got four really good questions here, and I'm going to go ahead and get to those. Um, but one of them will be over insulin sensitivity and things of that nature and what you just talked about. Really, you know, I'll probably ask you some personal stuff once we get there. But let's go ahead and jump on in, man. Here's four questions that I know you've, you've been asked multiple times, and this is something we can both answer the first one is for new coaches out there or those transitioning from gen pop to working with athletes, what are the key differences between coaching a bodybuilder and a lifestyle client? And you can definitely talk about this from both perspectives, Jace, in person. We both trained people in person. We've done it online. But what's the main difference between a gen pop client and a, and a lifestyle client for, for you? Well, I think when it comes to coaching, we want to approach the client experience in a, in a tier system, almost like climbing a ladder, you know. So when you first get onboarded, you're starting from scratch. I don't care if you're a 10-year athlete or you, you've never been in gym before. You know, we have to start from the ground up and build a foundation here, you know. And 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 how you climb each rung is really through effort, uh, compliance, and mindset, you know, that that, that allow us to be like, okay, he's right for next, he or she's right for next level here, you know. So as we climb that ladder, I would say the top ladder is being competitive in a sport, not not even just uh not even just bodybuilding, you know, uh, you know, any any uh athletic sport or strength sport there, you know. But from the very very bottom, you are a lifestyle client. What's what's a lifestyle client for the definition for you guys? Is just it, anybody who wants to achieve a better better lifestyle habits. Um, uh, you know, uh, fill all their dietary needs and build a mindset to pattern pattern these habits to be successful long term in their health, physique, and strength and functionality. There, you know, so it could be you know your your aunt, it could be you know your cousin, you know. So, uh, and what makes uh, an athlete is again somebody who's chasing uh, a certain sport depending on a certain, on a specific date, you know. So for me and John specifically, it's it's uh, it's um, physique and physique enhancement for uh, for bodybuilding. Uh, but again, you know, uh, at, 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 that can uh, that can uh, fill a full spectrum of different uh, sports there, you know, but coaching lifestyle clients, you're really just trying to, um, uh, like I said, pattern these lifestyle habits of better sleep, better mindset, uh, be be a structured meal plan, a structured caloric yes. intake, right? You yes. know, uh, you know, a good, good functional training habits, uh, stress management. These are things, these are five pillars we're trying to achieve with each client here to uh, lay the foundation of success here, you know, because our job as coaches is to fill the gaps, you know, because we'll, clients come to us and normally they work, been working out for 10 years, you know, 50, you know, 15, 20 years, you know, but they have a gap somewhere in nutrition, 
is their training, is their mindset, is their stretch management, is their sleep, you know? So if we can fill that gap. That's the one uh, link in the chain. It's going to take the next level there, you know? So uh, our, our goal is really just to pro provide accountability and give direction to get there, you know? But um, but the, the main difference between lifestyle and, uh, and athletes is that um, I expect an athlete to have those foundations nailed down and patterned, right? Like if we're trying to do a bodybuilding show and we're still focused on fixing your sleep, still focused on your compliance and the meals, still focused on your training intensity, we need to take a few steps back and, and, and evaluate uh, uh, where, where the goals are, you know, because uh, I, I know, John, you have a few, you coach a few pros in, in natural and possibly, you know, in, in uh, IBB also, you know, uh, it, it's not it's not a, a hobby. You know, for these people, it's, it's a lifestyle and they've been living this lifestyle for years. So if you think you're going to get there and be competitive with, you know, six months of compliance or six months of nailing, you know, your nutrition or training or supplementation, you're, you're not. You get smoked, you know. So yeah. and, and then they uh, bodybuilding is about self-mastery. So how how can we master, like I said, your training, your nutrition and your mindset every single day here? You know, because, again, it's, 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 it's the compound effect. Not one day of hard training gets results. It's one year of hard training gets results. Right. Not one day of compliance results. It's yearly. It's, you have to look on a year scale here, you know. So um, but uh, a big another big difference is uh, is uh, is when you're coaching athletes, it gets um, you, you get a lot more aggressive with your phases. So uh, for a lifestyle client, if we're doing a cutting phase, you know, there's no, there's no, there's no date, right? You know, hey, you know, I stop for us to pull back and lose body fat here, okay? So we could cut for like we've been a phallus phase for six to eight months. You know, and, and like oh, Jason's a long time, but through that, we're implementing diet breaks, refeeds, you know, time off, you know, based on traveling, you know. So it's not a not excuse me, it's not a set um of a pull down the entire time to cause stress. While a competitive athlete Normally, a prep is going to last anywhere from uh, 16 to 24 weeks, you know, depending on where they're starting at here, you know, and it's, it's very aggressive because we're not trying to lose, you know, uh, uh, 0.3 pounds a week. We're trying to lose one to one and a half pounds a week there, you know, so uh, the, the, the stakes are a lot higher. Uh, the um, the standard of compliance is a lot higher and the effort is just super high and climbs over time here, you know, um, as far as training goes uh, for training lifestyle clients, your goal is really to um, to build foundations of strength of injury prevention and um and uh, and movement patterns you know i want to make sure that you're squatting correctly according to your, your femoral length your hip girdle right you know your your tibia uh angle here you know so uh our goal is really just to master these foundations to get results because them just lifting better over time is going to provide the results we need right while competitive athlete our goal is to fill the gaps in, in their physique you know so again i expect them to you know uh be, be you know master squats five years ago and you know uh, squat at least 400 pounds right you know so now we gotta come with different angles to attack different parts of the muscle so we need to build a complete physique there, you know, so um, supplementation will, will vary also. So, I mean, from from a lifestyle client, you know, you'd be very basic with with, with health needs, while with a uh, competitive athlete, it's going to be more physique enhancement needs, you know, so things that help uh, uh, drive, drive energy to a cell faster, things that help uh, provide faster recovery muscle fibers, you know, things that help uh, re replace ATP uh, faster, you know, for more reps and more, more endurance there. So uh, it, it's definitely a... Um, it's definitely a wide array of differences between lifestyle and competitive athletes, but just know that it's a it's a scale that you have to tear some steps to walk uh, each uh, each rung of the ladder at a time. You know, I like um, I like what you said there about coaches filling the gaps. And if I could draw a parallel here, not everyone's played basketball, but what you said about and I would say the beginner lifestyle client and somebody wanting to get on stage, which to me is is a more of an advanced or moderate to advanced type client. It's just like if you're playing basketball and you have a coach, when you first start out, 
the coach is going to show you how to pass the ball, how to dribble, how to maybe run some basic plays, and they're going to be hard as hell. If you did the three-man weave for the first time, you just, you're all over the place, right? But in basketball, you have to have those foundations done. Now, if you're going to work with a coach to play you know, college basketball, you better already have those foundations down. If you're trying to get to the next level and you're very passionate about being a competitive basketball player, you better already know how to do those foundations. And when you bring someone on that's newer to the gym, you're right, Jace, like we're filling those gaps and we're trying to build that foundation. So I, the reason I bring that up is a lot of the times I will have people approach me and they say, hey, I re-, they saw a friend do a show or they see pictures and they just don't know. They have no clue. And they say, hey, I really want to compete and get on stage. And it's our job to say, hey, that's a great goal. We need to do X, Y, and Z first and spend a little bit of time and you need to build some muscle. But if you're a coach listening, if you just, excuse me, if you just bring everybody on and try and get them to stage and they're not ready, your reputation is going to suffer because they're not going to look good on stage. And I've lost plenty of clients over the years turning them away, but I'm glad I do it still to this day because it's not about the money. It's about the long game and it's about my reputation. What do you typically, how do you approach somebody that wants to do a show, but you just don't feel like they're ready to make that commitment yet? Maybe they've been training for a while and they've got a good base muscle. They play college football, for example, but they haven't been bodybuilding. How do you approach that client? How do you talk to them and say, hey, maybe we need a little bit more time? Well, um, in the consultation is really where you lay that foundation of a realistic timeline for them, you know. So in our consultations coaches, you know, um, we really get, get a, a, a a scope of where you're at. Hey, how's your sleep? How's your meals? How long have you been doing this for? You know, how's your training prowess? You know, and and based on how you answer questions, it's just extending or shortening that time frame to do a show, you know. But any client that signs up with with me, I would say the least amount of time it's gonna take for us to do a show is eight months a year you know and the and and, and the top end is about three years <laughs> you know i mean yeah. i had a girl signed up the other day i said hey we're gonna do a show in 2025 you know because that's just how far you are from, from where we need you to be to be successful here you know and the problem with the coaching industry is people talk about all the time like hey you know uh he's going social media see the eight week you know fat losses and the you know 10 week tees whatever yeah. there you know and, and and thing is that's relevant in bodybuilding you know, there's coaches that take clients on with no data in the background, put on this contest prep diet, diet them down, put them on stage. And, and what happens is it's irresponsible because we're not just dealing with uh, their, their their emotions and their ego and all stuff to, to win. We're dealing with their health, you know. So if somebody comes in metabolically and, and not a great position, you know, whether yeah. it be high stress, uh, a, low, a low thyroid, a low sex hormones, and you diet them down, you're making it worse. So sure, they'll get on stage and look decent, you know, but of course they want to be muscle there or much shape there, you know. But uh, but you're just digging, digging a bigger hole coming out of it, and it's going to decrease our chances of by our, our likeness to buy build again here. You know, I'm not trying. We're, I, I, John probably agree with me here. We're not trying to make good competitors. We're trying to make good people, right? And a good person is a healthy person. It's somebody who has a good mindset to be successful. Because if you're successful in your life, your relationships, your spiritual life, your finances, you'll be successful in bodybuilding, right? You know, I mean, we know the bodybuilder Tom that you know has a great physique, but doesn't have a full time job. It's still bartending or still you know bouncing clubs. We know the bodybuilder that you know it's not. It's kind of toxic. It has a great physique. It's kind of toxic. There's not a great person, you know, and it just it shortens your shelf life as much possible here, you know. So our goal as coaches is really to give realistic timelines and give standards of of uh, what we need to be in our team to make successful people. Yeah, and that that to me just comes with being an elite coach, and that's just that's exactly you're right, and that's how you stand out for those coaches listening. That's how you stand out above the crowd because everyone these days are a coach. There's a great example, Jason Slade, on how you on how you stand out. Jason, I'm gonna go ahead and move on through because we can 
each one of these questions, we could actually do a whole podcast on each one. So um, I'm, I'm going to not chime in too much. This next one's a fun one. Talk about taking care of people's health. Let's get your take on this. I'm always interested in how coaches do their refeed setups because I've been the refeed geek forever because I've tried every fucking which way to Sunday from 2,000 carbs on a Tuesday during peak week to no refeeds. And I was even involved in the research that we did at University of South Florida. I got to write the diets for Dr. Bill Campbell's first refeed study. So I'm always interested to see, okay, that doesn't mean anything. How do you do it? How do you like to do it? So here's the question. When you guys recommend when do you guys recommend both refeeds and diet breaks during a diet phase, and what's the difference between them? So, Jay, start start with either one and talk about how you like to set up your refeeds, and then we'll talk about diet breaks and when to use those. So what's your take on refeeds? Uh, so, what, what what is a refeed? Um, so, we, we uh, refeeds basically a um, so let me back up a little bit here. Okay. So there's refeeds, there's training and cardio breaks. So I would kind of classify those the same because what they do, they, they mitigate stress. The only reason we would put that in is to short, is to acutely mitigate stress here, you know? So it's not always just add more food. It could be pull back cardio and pull back training there, you know? So, and what, what they do is that they're quick resets to the HPA access to pull down cortisol, uh, reset aldosterone, which of course affects your water levels and allow your adrenaline to operate more efficiently. So, you know, these are, these are hormones released from your adrenal glands that, once they're skewed, affect the whole system downstream here. Okay. Of course, there's other hormone systems and organs that get affected by stress, but the main one acutely we're going to look at are your adrenal glands. Um, and what, what do adrenal glands do? They uh they help regulate your metabolism, uh, you know, operate your immune immune system was very important during prep because if you get sick during prep, it's very hard to progress uh, if you're fighting the cold for two weeks here, you know. Uh they, they uh, optimize your sex hormones and your HRV and blood pressure. You know, I mean, these are these are five pillars of success to fat uh, uh continue health and fat loss in, in, in a in a fat loss phase here you know but when to um uh when to give refeeds basically as coaches we're just looking at the biofeedback you know so that's why we do updates weekly or or, or bi-weekly is because we're just trying to see a trend on your your injury levels your sleep your digestion your strength your 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 body measurements your pictures you know these are things that we see as coaches see if we see progress or stress and we see uh, we kind of smell a little stress we'll, we'll, we'll invite a refeed a refeed could last one day could last five days you know could like i said could be a cardio or activity um uh, break there, you know. So uh, all we're trying to do is, is simply a, a acutely pull back stress so that uh, the client can uh, can uh, of course make good progress. Because when the body's stressed out, cortisol is high, which of course is stress hormone, which releases glucose. When glucose is high in your bloodstream, you're going to use that for fuel rather than uh, fatty acids, right? You know, because of course it's more immediate source of energy. You know, we want to free up the fatty acid, let it go to the bloodstream, and get utilized for uh, for fuel for uh, for fat loss there. So, um, um, also these. <laughs> I hear some coaches, they pre they pre-plan diet breaks or refeeds. Like, hey, look, we do eight weeks diet break, six weeks diet yeah. break. And I think it's a great method for uh for new coaches or or people who just kind of doing their own dieting phase. Uh, but we 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 don't want to pre-plan them because we want to go on, on a needs basis, but we do want to count form in the time timeline here. Okay. So for example, if if a client uh needs to lose 20 pounds, and I think we could lose, you know, an average of 1.2 pounds a week, you know, to get there over 16 weeks, well, the likelihood of of them having a smooth 16 weeks is not likely. So, hey, let's add an extra three or four weeks to have time for a refeed, diet break, or our practice peak, right? You know, so uh, putting that in there is, is ideal for us. But uh, what's a diet break? And basically, a diet break is, any, I would say, anything over seven days. You know, so when you pull back completely, you pull the calories back to maintenance, you pull the training volume back to maintenance, cardio, 
uh, to a good place not to cause stress and and for more than more than seven days and basically we do this when we've exhausted all resources of of, of refeeds and, and breaks there you know so you know let's say the client stressed out didn't improve as start gaining weight it's probably time for a diet break there right you know so and this could last you know, seven days could last two or three weeks there you know it depends how long it takes that client to you know uh re regulate back to homeostasis there you know um um, yeah, so you, you can go now, John. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, no, you're you're good. Um, I'll I'll talk about the refeed side of things. Um, refeeds, the ones I like to do are weekly, but they're small. They're just a tiny bump, and they're not really a giant jump in um, calories, really, so to speak. So, I just started a lady the other day on our contest prep diet, and. I think she's eating, she's, and I'll just say total calories because I can't remember the exact carb breakdown, but she's dieting on her low days. Like most of her training days are like 1600 calories. She's got like on her Sunday, she'll train a little higher rep. She might have 1750, 1800 calories. Fats are a little lower, carbs a little higher. It's just enough to boost leptin and boost the metabolism, but it's not like a fucking, hey, go to the sushi buffet and stuff like that. So mine these days are a little bit smaller and it's to give them a, a just just a little bump in leptin and their metabolism, give them a little bit of glycogen, but not enough to interrupt fat loss. And when I wrote the the book, The Flexible Fat Loss Solution, when I talked about refeeds, I like to I like to make at least one day a week to where it's almost up to maintenance because Honestly, I don't even think it's maintenance anymore because of the things you talked about, because it drops cortisol, because you have more energy, you have something mentally to look forward to. So my refeeds aren't really big. Now, back in the day, they used to be gigantic. Like I, because I experimented with everything, I would tell people, you know, I used to work with Skip Hill way back in the day, who's probably the pioneer of refeeds. It was called skip loading. And I've got to give skip credit here now i don't think that's optimal for anybody by the way um but skip had done a hell of a job getting people shredded he is a pioneer he led the way for people like me to even look into refeed so shout out to skip but these days i do a little smaller ones and it allows me to keep the weekly calories higher so if i do a small refeed and it just allows me to mitigate cortisol which is the thing you keep coming back to um so we all do things a little bit different but i like that you keep such a close eye on things and you if you notice hey i need one you're not afraid to say hey let's let's pull back cardio maybe bump food or whatever your approach is uh, and that's that's kind of my take on it now on the diet breaks i'm curious to see how how you do yours i've got one quick story i can tell I, I, I'm with you. I don't systematically do diet breaks. I, I, I do them when, when I see the client needs them. And that, that's the art of coaching. Coaching isn't cookie cutter. Um, you've got to understand why to do a diet break, which Jace is about to break down. But I had a, a, a natural female. Most of my clients are natural these days. She's in her 50s. Just really tough genetics. But we were getting her really close. She had about five more pounds to get to stage. And we were about eight weeks out. And, but for three weeks in a row, she wasn't making any progress and she did what you were saying. Her weight was slowly going up. Now I checked her food logs. I know her real well. She was spot on. She was doing an hour of cardio a day. She was training five, six days a week. This is back when I, I trained people that way. This is 2015 probably. Um, calories are too low. I couldn't really make another adjustment. I could pull from like fats, but then you don't want to do that to a natural female too long. So anyway, my back was against the wall. So what I do is I had to talk her into doing a diet break. So what I, I pulled cardio out hundred percent. So dropped an hour right out of the way. Um, I had her take the whole week off of training and I bumped her carbs. I only bumped them like 25 a day, but it, she also was getting more because she wasn't doing an hour of cardio she wasn't training, so her body actually wasn't burning through as many calories. So it's almost like adding calories too. 
And what happened is, man, she dropped like three pounds in a fucking week because cortisol just dropped. Her hunger was back because she could make more thyroid hormones. She was hungrier. And I remember 2015 was the first time I actually went all in on a diet break before. I was like, nah, I'm just going to just keep going. And it showed me the power of them. I was a little late to the game, but that's my story. And I do those when I know somebody's 100% spot on and their back's against the wall and I'm I'm seeing I have to do them way more for females, and I still don't have to do them too often. But that's kind of my take, man. G- give us an example, or just tell us how you like to approach diet breaks and how you use them. Well, you said so much gold there, uh, John. Let me try to just get this point out of the way real quick. So, uh, John mentioned uh, what, what do carbs do to help lower cortisol here? You know, so yeah. uh, what, what else do carbs do to help uh, spike leptin? Because leptin is a fat burning hormone in your body, helps increase your thyroid production, uh, and, and also pull, it is going to allow us to have more energy to do more, right? You know, it's a lot of times you see clients, their step count goes down, their their, their biofeedback goes down. So, you had a little diet, that little refeed, which, like John said, we track a weekly caloric intake, not like a daily, right? Because as long as you stay within the range that weekly, we're good. So if we can increase carbs pretty substantially within a day or two or maybe three days, have them move more and then burn more, you know. So, uh, you know, you'd be surprised in, in a constant prep how much you uh, you just slow down your activity. You, you have the amount of times you blink, how many times you fidget, you know, and have that little three-day three refeed. Almost, it almost has a mental effect for them to push harder into prep. So if they're struggling with an hour cardio, like John said, you know, that, that week she took off. Guess what? She's ready to kill it when she got back. She felt good again, you know, because – I was in the crowd of my last coach who, hey, keep digging, keep digging, keep digging, keep digging. And sure, I got lean, but how much muscle do I lose that process? You know, and how, how much harder was me to pull? You know, I'm sure I built some mental toughness there, which is great here, you know, but, you know, it's more it's more effective to have, have uh, with the studies we have now, you know, I mean, uh, you mentioned Bill Campbell, you know, um, uh, Bill Campbell actually had a study, he said um, uh, for, uh, for a seven week study, he had one group. Uh, sorry, both groups died for seven weeks. One group, uh, they dieted uh, evenly through the whole time. It's seven days a week, low uh, caloric deficit there. The other group, they dieted five days. Uh, they had low calories five days and two refeed days there. You know, of course, they uh, they brought carbs up, you know, because, of course, fats don't have the same effect as as carbohydrates. So they brought carbs up those uh, those other two days. The the uh, the group, they, at the end of a seven-week study, both groups lost just as much weight, okay? But the second group actually actually maintained three times much muscle mass, which yeah. is insane, you know? Because contest prep isn't about losing body fat solely. Sure, it's a game of conditioning, a game of, of leanness, but how, what, what, how much muscle mass you bring to the stage? And if you have a taller, senior competitor, that little bit of muscle mass could help push them to win with the shape they, they have or don't have. You know, So you know, our goal is, again, to retain muscle mass through the process of cutting and also uh, lose uh, lose body fat there. You know, But um, when, when, when we're through a study, we can actually implement uh, refeeds or diet breaks uh, program is to have two, two or three higher days, right? I mean, John mentioned that. He had to share a low day, high day. It's not rarely we ever see a coach pull a client evenly through a whole through prep. You know, I mean, sure, you know, if they're, they're hyper responders, that's fine. You know, but you know, us carb cycling uh, or, or nutrient cycling, cycling yeah. in some way, having high days, uh, low days. That could be a five on to uh, a five off, two on. Could be train days, could be off days. It's got to allow us to have those little uh, adrenal resets while still facilitating fat loss here. You know, and honestly, you know, uh, whenever whenever you carb cycle and you have the higher days, that's going to uh, provide your body with more energy, more endurance, more strength more recovery and the, the following day if you have a low day it's still burning that much about that many amount of calories the following few three days there so if you have low days there that's how you facilitate more fat loss without having to manipulate uh without having to uh you know pull them down too hard and provide more food in, in the process there you know i love it man i mean there's so much and you know speaking of dr bill campbell he's going to be on the podcast at some point so 
we'll dive even more into the research side of that. But here we are, you and I are in the trenches using this research and what we see in the trenches as the art of being a coach. And that's what I want. I, I emphasize that because we have a lot of coaches that listen to the show. So that's the art of it. That's what I love about it. Because, man, if it were just fucking math, I would be walking around shredded. You know what I mean? So and my fat ass is not, as you will see when we stand up there for the Q&A panel. But um, long story short, we've got two more good questions here. So this is the this is the fun one, man. I know that insulin sensitivity is something I have talked about a lot for going on almost a decade now. 2015 is when I really started to dive in. Uh, myself and Jason Theobald, and I, you, I still learn more every year. There's always more to this. So here's the question, man. I'm, I'm really excited to get your take on these. If you suspect someone is insulin resistant, or if they have insulin sensitivity issues, for most people listening, they'll recognize by that term. What are the things that you are specifically looking for that tell you that that's in play? So you know, insulin sensitivity and in, uh, issues, and insulin resistant. I see that with a lot of people more these days as I bring clients on, um, and I think it's likely tied to stress. Some of it's genetic, but dude, I've got plenty of skinny, quote unquote, skinny folks that have been longtime runners. They're just super stressed out. Their blood glucose is high. So what are the things that you look for when you're coaching to think, fuck, man, man, insulin sensitivity is an issue here. I'm not getting progress. What do you look for? Well, first of all, in, insulin sensitivity or, or resistance isn't isn't a look. You know, uh, we could relate more to the overweight body um, body composition, you know, or, or, or high amounts of body fat. But there's plenty, of, like like John said, plenty of marathon runners who have insulin resistance, who have bad lipid panels. You know, so uh, and and why is insulin resistance bad? Is because uh, whenever your body's insulin resistant, you have high amounts of insulin and glucose flowing around your bloodstream, your your body fat storage is is, is going to be uh, a more calories going to be biased more towards body fat storage than energy or muscle glycogen there. So. Um, uh, next would be high formation, you know, especially within the gut, you know, it's where, where most of your, um, your, your, uh, your, um, peptides are broken down to, uh, for, and, 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 uh, and shove it, shove it to that cell there. So, uh, if makes you be high, which is going to, uh, affect every, I mean, when inflation is high, what's it do it blocks leptin, you know, which helps, helps you burn fat. Uh, next is, uh, is you going to see a skewed lipid panel. So, uh, like we mentioned earlier about triglycerides, what, what, what happens to triglycerides is that whenever you eat calories and the course go your bloodstream is glucose. If they're there long enough, they actually could convert into fatty acids, which are triglycerides. And of course, that's abrasive to your organ health and uh, and and, uh, and skews your lipid panel. Um, and then and then not to mention the brain, uh, the neurological effects. You know, because it creates brain fog, uh, and mental disorders like anxiety. And now we know that. Alzheimer's is actually type through diabetes, right? Yep. You know, so it, 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 it has so many, like John said, it, we, we, we revisit it every single year. We would learn more over time and realize how important it is here, you know? And I don't think insulin resistance high uh, are an ongoing problem for most people in the, uh, in the you know, the younger ages. But I think people who've been overweight for a long time, unhealthy for a long time with ailments, that's the ones whose cells literally just don't operate like ours. You know, their their genetic, uh, their, their their DNA genome is completely different than ours. How their cells transcribe because they just they're just you can do everything right. You know, they can eat, they can train, they can do all that stuff here, but it takes so long for those swells, those cells to uh, um, to uh, pull the right lever to shift gears to realize energy better. You know, so um, the first thing I, I, I do when I onboard clients and look for uh, insulin sensitivity is their blood glucose. You know, so hey, let's get a fast blood, let's get a, a baseline fasted blood glucose number here. You know, so of course the way 
wake up, hydrate, hydrate themselves, and then and test it. And that would be one number there. But again, glucose is just one acute number because I can test my glucose right now is 76. Well, and I test again is 75, right? You know, so it's going to go up and down. So seeing that trend over time as they progress and program by ideal. But another one is blood work, you know? So, uh, I mean, that's honestly the key one there, you know? So through blood work, we're going to see their, their, their glucose at that time, uh, which is more accurate than the glucometer. We're going to see their HA1C, which is a three-month overview of their blood glucose to, to test the, the glycation of the red, red blood cells. Uh, we're going to see their fasted insulin, which is really the, the biggest marker there, you know? So um, the, thing about, uh, the thing about these, are they're all related because if your insulin's high and high enough, long enough, then it impacts your blood glucose, you know? Because I had clients come in, their fasted insulin is a 30, their glucose is 80. It's like, oh, why didn't it go there yet? Because it hasn't it hasn't impacted that yet there, you know? So right. we know that if, that if their HA1C, the glucose and fast insulin are all high, that, that, that they're in an insulin resistant state there, okay? But also we'll look at stress markers because a lot of times insulin resistance isn't just calories. Like, oh, we didn't pour your carbs and, and do this and take this right here. I'm like, no, no, no. We need to find the root cause stressor and pull that down here, you know? So we look at stress markers like cortisol and information markers like CRP, you know, because information causes stress in the body, which will also make your body release more glucose there, you know, but uh, as far as as far as what to do first, number one is, is what what what's the biggest um, the, the lowest hanging fruit? Clean up their diet. Like, hey, look, here's your structured meal plan. Okay, here's your body having healthy glucose spikes and dips. You know, having your body release uh, insulin at a healthy rate here to pull things back down and, and, and utilize the energy for storage. Um, Next is address stressors. You know, this would be the more the mindset coaching and mental side of coaching here. You know, like, hey, what are your top three stressors here? Okay, so let's identify these. And we can't stop them. Like, I can't tell somebody, hey, quit your job or divorce your husband, right? But we can get a better perspective of stress and create stress mitigating techniques for the client. You know, like going for daily walks, you know, restorative yoga, Um uh, you need some adaptogens uh, like like cordies that uh, that Jason sells are great too. Uh, next, number three would be prescription drugs because I think a lot of people overlook this and they don't really communicate this. A, a lot of times they just forget. You know, like they take blood pressure medication, they take birth control, they take uh, um, you know corticosteroids temporarily, and that spikes your glucose up there. You know, they just forget. You know, so definitely fish around and find that out. But the last thing, like John mentioned earlier, is caffeine. Caffeine is a great drug. I mean, honestly, it's, it's America's favorite drug, right? But right. but. When done in excess, when done with for too long, and 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 uh, and um, of course, if you don't if you don't titrate back and down, and of course, resensitize your, your your caffeine receptors, uh, you're you're gonna run into issues like like insulin resistance, anxiety. Uh, uh, fat gain and, and and everything else that that uh, that that uh, those those adrenaline hormones uh, stimulate there a uh, long term. Yeah, yeah, I mean, even you know, adrenal fatigue and things of that nature. And you know, I'm going to sit here and people see me sipping on a monster, but th- what they don't realize is I'm going to drink half this can once today and have like 80 total, which is nothing. Where before, because I love these, you know, I call them my white trash energy drinks because I grew up in a trailer. And this, if I were going to live in a trailer right now, I'd walk around with a sleeveless shirt on and drinking these all tatted up. But my point is <laughs> not to go off on a tangent. I drink half of this, 80 megs of caffeine a day is nothing. Where a lot of us are slamming pre-workout and that's why we made our pre-workout a little lower it's only 250 caffeine but you know some people are getting seven eight hundred a thousand migs of caffeine a day and it really fucks them up especially because the higher cortisol stays the more blood glucose your body secretes out which means more insulin to drive it down which means the insulin receptor starts to get less sensitive so you have to secrete more insulin in higher insulin circulating like you said you see it on labs easier it is to add fat the harder it is to lose fat it's just this vicious cycle vicious cycle and it's definitely i've given presentations on it an hour long and i don't even touch 
the tip of the iceberg on that. Um, but I, I, I love your explanation. I think people can take that. One thing that I really like to make sure that people remember is you mentioned the morning glucose readings. That's a great place to start. One thing I've started to do this year, just food for thought for anyone, I've actually gone to three to four hours post-prandial, which is fancy for me, eat a carb meal three to four hours later, check your blood glucose. Because I've got some people that they're just morning numbers. It's the dawn phenomenon and your body starts to elevate cortisol if you're if you're healthy, which elevates blood glucose. And it's just your body's trying to say, hey, wake up, it's time to get up. Sometimes I have people that I can't get below in the 90s. I can't get below 90s no matter what I do. But their readings three to four hours after a meal are like 78, like yours is. And I know that that's in a good place. So if you are somebody that's struggling with the morning numbers, try that three to four hours after a carb meal. It tells your body how you're processing through glucose and insulin and things of that nature. So um, just one other thing. Now, I bring all of that up because earlier you mentioned you, you know, you do these long growth phases. You push up pretty hard in the off season. You definitely don't get fat, but because you're pounding so many carbs over a period of time, your insulin sensitivity starts to go down and then you diet and you clean that back up. And now you're to the point you're saying that you're eating 550 carbs a day and you're losing. How crucial do you feel that this leaner physique and a better insulin sensitivity is to be able to lose fat pretty easy on 550 ca- uh, carbs? If you're um, if you're a bodybuilder or just sorry, if you're a person and you're not chasing high insulin sensitivity year round, you're, yeah. you're going to run to a roadblock somewhere because uh, at the end of your growth phase reverse diet, you're going to get to a place where you're just putting body fat on and, you, and your yeah. gym performance sort of suffer. You know, it's nothing worse than the, the place where you add 50 carbs, you get fatter, and get weaker. Right. You know, um, but uh, but it, it's super key, John, because, um, you, you know, when we say insulin sensitivity, it's not just carbohydrates, you know, it's high, high body processes, energy in general. Right. You know, and we talk about metabolism. Metabolism basically means just how how's your how's your, how how's all your cells work together to utilize energy and and of course transcribe it for, for different functions. You know, because uh, our our bodies are just one sack of cells, literally, right? You know, so we think about it that way. We're able to like, all right, well, look, if I eat this, it's going to do this. If I eat this, it's going to do this here, right? You know, and really insensitivity because it just comes down to just a, a low inflammatory diet, which pretty much means don't eat crap, don't eat <laughs> don't eat processed foods that that you know take a long time to digest and cause inflammation. Control your stress. Like, like literally like you're, you're around i'm like i'm probably the most even keel consistent person you, i know honestly you know like yeah jace how you doing i'm great like i'm like i'm like a year round never too high i'm never too low you know and that's really the key to living consistently because you know a lot of people they uh they, they get too hyped up or, or get you down you know and it affects other places a lot but then it has physiological effects right because uh, you know where, where the mind goes the body follows there you know so if you just really hone in on your diet uh control your caffeine intake control um uh, control your stressors you're gonna be in a great spot here okay but again the goal is be consistent year round don't have don't have you know f- three bad week three good weeks can be washed away one bad week you know but guess what three three good months can be washed away one good week one bad week you know so again yeah. be as consistent as possible man i agree so much with everything you said here i, I think of an example i just had a, a a younger guy check in with me um he's trying to build muscle and i'm trying to just push as hard as i can guy's spot on with his diet He's got a little bit of shitty genetics on his side. He's more of an endo than he is anything else. Not a real big guy. He's like 165 pounds, 21 years old. 
pushing his food. You know, he's eating like 275 carbs a day and, and he's going up, but his body fat's starting to creep up faster the last month than it did for about three to four months. And that to me is always a marker where I, I always come back to him. I say, hey, on a scale of one to 10, how are you doing on your diet? Are you eating off plan? Are you doing anything that I need to know about? He's like, no, man, like I'm a creature of habit, like shows me his food and he's spot on. So what that tells me is, is he's gotten to the point where, you know, 275 carbs isn't a lot for some people, but for some people it is a lot. For me, it's a lot. His insulin sensitivity is starting to go downhill because he's pounding that insulin receptor with, with for him, higher carbs and a high carb day, a free meal, because he's a young guy. He's got to be able to stick to the plan, right? Yes. So what I like to do in this situation is, yeah, yeah, you know what? Go ahead, because then I want to talk about how we how we do an insulin sensitivity reset or a mini cut. But go ahead, man. So let, let, let's say I'm coaching a, a guy who wants to build muscle or a girl wants to build muscle. You know, we're creeping up on the uh, on, on the higher end of their growth phase, right? You know, so yeah. they're, they're a big caloric surplus. We're adding carbs, adding fats, maybe even adding protein here and there. You know, and they start putting on body fat. Uh, my first question is, all right, well, how, how's your gym performance, right? Because we want, we don't want to look at food like, hey, add food because it's been three weeks. All right, we want to progress. It's just that time, right? We look at food as as our biggest performance enhancer. You know, so every time I, every time I get a client food, I'm like, hey, look, get new PRs. Get new PRs. Hey, you have free meal. Get new PR. Just PR fuel here, okay? Because we know that if when your training intensity goes up and your demand of, of recovery goes up from your body from training so hard, that's going to be the different factor of where your food goes there. You know, so make sure that if you're in a growth phase, it's easy to get lethargic. It's a lot of food. Body's constantly digesting, you're feeling fat, you're feeling unmotivated. That's the time to sip on the gas and train really, really hard here. You know, and I'm, I'm sure John does the same thing. My clients send me train videos. You know, it's not, not not every set, but you know, a few sets a week. I'll see. Hey, look, I need to push a little harder here. You know, like we're trying to literally get results and mitigate fat gain here push a little harder here give me more, give me 10 next time give me 12 next time there yeah yeah i agree 100 um i know we're getting pretty close to our time we've got one more question so i'm going to keep this short because i know you've got something coming up i think right after this so i want to make sure i get us done in time um one more thing on the insulin sensitivity front um, do you feel like your pumps are better when you're a little bit leaner and your insulin sensitivity is improved it, and i know the answer to that but i think a lot of people don't realize is the difference that you can start to tell you think when you're eating a massive amount of food and your body fat's you know a little bit higher, that training is a little bit better. It should be the opposite, correct? Like how how do you feel now sitting at two sixty two or three compared to you know up closer to three hundred when it comes to training and pumps? Well, I, I feel like a sweet spot. Like I'm kind of a sweet spot right now where all day I feel kind of flat, you know, but when I train, I just explode, you know, kind of my body, like I said, it's so insulin sensitive and, 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 and the glycogen retention is a lot higher when I train. But, you know, what, one, one thing I have my clients do or I do, John, is I take a, I take your GDA before I train, you know, so I do intra workout carbs. Uh, so I take about three or four, which is a, a come of like 60, 80 carbs to cover that amount. So my pre-workout, pre-workout, which of course is a uh, hard to kill. I take that. And while I train, I have even bigger pumps because my body's more receptive to the, the new glycogen. I'm putting in with amino acids. Yeah. And that's something, you know, as a bodybuilder, you definitely want to be able to feel the mind muscle connection. It's just, it's all such a system that, you know, we're going to do a full episode over insulin sensitivity and resets here in the future. Last question, man. Um, I'm going to change this one just a little bit. Here's the question, but here's the, here's the way I want to ask it to you. I want to be muscular and lean like someone on the cover of a magazine. And this could be for a guy or girl as trainers. What do you tell your clients as a realistic timeline for health and physique goals? So what I want to change that to so we have more time is when you have somebody hire you and they want to look lean and have abs or, or how do you talk to them about maintaining a certain body fat? I think that's more of, I think that's a better question how we can frame it because I think people get unrealistic goals, especially females. They see 
people dieted down, especially in an Instagram world these days. People only post their fucking shredded pictures. They don't post they what they look like 20 pounds heavier because that's real life. What are your thoughts on that body fat, healthy body fat set point? So if you're going to diet someone down, how do you have that conversation with them and, and, and get them to a healthy physique, but a look that they want? That's hard, right? Well, I, I think it has to be approached, uh, educate them first, that these things are done in phases, right? You know, so the first six months of us starting together, I'm not going to cut a client, right? Like, I don't care where you say your calories were, you know, we need to establish these foundations, build muscle to be able to earn the right to cut or, or lose body fat there, you know, to look like that girl, guy, girl, will look, look like, you know, so uh, by us. Uh, attacking these things in phases, so doing a, a growth phase, a, a a fat loss phase, and over time, so you got to think your first fat loss phase is gonna be tough. You know, you're not gonna know what's going on. You can see some results, probably about five percent body fat there. Okay, but when you reverse back up, you only gain two percent back. When next time you cut, you lose five another five percent. You only gain two percent back. You know, so over time, each phase you're getting leaner, stronger, and better over time. To where in three years, you're that person with six pack year round. You know, you're that person who's able to uh, you know high 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 sensitivity at the end of growth phase. Because you earned that right there, you built the muscle to sustain that that uh, that uh, energy pathway there. You know, so again, just explain to them that everything's done in phases, and that we can get there, but it's going to take three, four, five years, depending on their compliance, effort, mindset, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, but through these phases here, man, I love that because we all have, and it's not because people are stupid. It's not people just don't know. And here's the thing: a lot of coaches don't know until you've been around long enough that you kind of figure it out. I mean, fuck, I had no idea in 2009. Like, I didn't know. I just diet people down and I'm like, man, why is everybody getting fatter after they're done? Why am I getting fatter? What the hell? You know, we all have to learn. So it's definitely one of those things to where I think that's what separates the good coaches from the mediocre coaches, the elite coaches, is you not only know what to do, but you educate the client. And that to me, every good coach should do that. So here, folks, listen, even if you don't know the answer, go out and search it. Things like this podcast, like our seminar. And keep talking to your clients about it. Make a game plan. Hell, try stuff. Experiment. That, that's how we all learn. See what works and what doesn't. But it took me a while to kind of get to that when I was early on coaching. And it's it's still hard because here's the other wrench we can throw in this, man. Where's adherence fit in? Because, like, you know, that we're talking if somebody's adhering great to the plan. Shit, it's hard, man. Like, what we do is not easy or everyone would look outstanding, right? So, it, to me, it's it's one of the it's one of the harder ones. Can you think of anything else, man, that we've left out? Have we got a couple minutes here to wrap up? Can you think of anything else that you wanted to talk about? Not within, we're not without jumping on a totally different topic, you know, John, but uh, I, I can't add to the education though. So one thing that I'm actually uh, in the workshop right now is uh, I'm actually working on like a um, a video module um, for my clients. When they get onboarded, they, they're going to get an ed education platform. So basically it's just it's be me and my coaches talking about a certain topic, whether it be realistic expectations, what is insensitivity, you know, what what is, what is uh, you know, why do we eat higher carbs on training days and less carbs on off days, right? You know, COVID's like, like 10 minute videos and how like a 10 question test after that you know i think it'd be fun for a client because these are questions that every single client asks right you know and some of these aren't easy answers i mean i had a client say asked me uh, about fat loss phase it literally took me 10 minutes to write it out to what's digestible 
and what they're going to comprehend, right? You know, so if I, if I can almost create a course where every client kind of goes through this and it's almost like a graduation program, like, hey, look, you watch this 10 videos, take this 10 tests, and then you're ready. It's, it's going to take all the guesswork out, out of out of coaching, you know, and it's going to allow them to uh, come into each phase mature and and actually with, with, with good expectations. So that's uh, one thing I'm going to work on right now, John. Almost like uh, like John Jewett has J3 University, you know. I'm taking this. I'm like, dude, everybody should do this. Like, it's not just for yeah. coaches. It's for everybody. So if I could come up with like like the you know the the uh, one tenth version of that, so actually my watch it and takes a test, I think I think it would be in a good spot here. So, and, and that's where it starts because it it listen, you build a decent enough client base, you have your own you have your own audience, you have your own students, so to speak, and that's where you take something and you never know someday it goes it, you can scale that possibly, you know what I mean? So like that's that's where it all starts. So I, I love that you're doing that. Uh, we're going to go ahead and cut out here. We will see you guys if you're listening. If you're going to be at the event, myself, Jace, our whole Fat Muscle coaching team, minus a couple that just couldn't make it because of prior commitments, but we have a giant team there. Re- really looking forward to it. So safe travels for myself and Jace. We're out of here. See you guys.